how many days until basketball comes back? Uh, 91 days. 91 days until... Isn't that, is that preseason or regular season? Probably preseason. Fuck. It's okay. It's okay. We have draft. We have free agency. We have summer league. And then as soon as you know, preseason will be What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Team Morale Podcast, where we do our three favorite things, talk a little bit of booze, a little bit of beer, and a whole lot of basketball. Ian the Tall Guy, back with you again with another podcast. And if you're looking on YouTube, watching with us on YouTube, you notice something a little different today. We're free-handing it. We're free-handing it. We're having a good time. We're in Ethan's new apartment. We're still kind of testing out the boundaries here. It's still a new place for us. Yeah, the podcast room is still up and uh, coming. We haven't figured it completely out yet we're getting some things set up so no mic stands today we're just holding them in our hands we feel like the commentators of the underwater basket weaving finals on uh you know espn 8 the ocho but hey we're here i feel so much cooler like i feel like i'm like eminem or something i'm in eight mile right now i feel just i feel amazing i feel this feels natural to me the words you're spitting are not as fun what no 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 all right well I'm not going to try to compete with him. That was about as cheesy as a start as we could have had to open it. But <laughs> hey, welcome. we're here. Um, we have an NBA champion. Yes, we do. Today is kind of like like the best and the worst day of the NBA season. It's bittersweet. It for really sure. is. For sure. You we know, are officially 91 days out from our next basketball game. Ugh. That's so that's sad. sad. That's so sad. But we get to celebrate, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks winning the championship in explosive fla- fashion. We are recording this Wednesday morning, so the game happened last night. You guys will see this later on today. Um, so, yeah, they won in explosive fashion last night. But, uh, you know, going back to the whole 91 days between, you know, today and more basketball, we've got some things to hold us over. We've got the off season, We've got the draft, the Olympics. You know, if they are going to happen, we'll have basketball on them. So there's plenty of stuff to talk about, plenty of uh, stuff for basketball fans to get their fix. But we cannot really... We'd be doing a disservice if we don't talk about the Milwaukee Bucks beating the Phoenix Suns in game six last night. Our new NBA champions. The first time that they've won the championship since 1971 with good old Luau Cinder on their team, which is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, for those who don't know. And they and they did it in terrific fashion, going down 0-2, winning four straight games, and Giannis kind of just realizing that he's the greatest basketball player in the world. But before we get into all of that, I want to talk about the beer that we're drinking today. Yeah, go for it. All right. Because we have cameras now. It's a pina colada beer. <laughs> You're going to love it. So this you know, one we, is from Martin House. Because, you know, all of the NBA players are going on vacations now. You know, the season's over. So they're going out of these tropical places, drinking some pina colada. So we thought we'd drink along with them. Have a pina colada beer. Yeah. We are doing this at like 10 a.m. in the morning, so we decided to go with the pina colada beer instead because of full-on no, pina colada. Not only that, but you know what sounds better than whiskey at 10 a.m.? Yeah, that that was going to be a no-go for me on that one. But let's uh, – so it's made from Martin House Brewing, which we actually have had on the podcast before. Before, we had like their Chex Mix beer. Yes, we did have their Chex Mix beer. I forget what they called that. Wild. And, you know, Martin House, for those who don't know, it's based out of Fort Worth. These were leftovers in the fridge for the move. And uh, yeah, they, they, they do some wild flavors. They really do. So it's it's based out of Fort Worth. So obviously we love doing the local stuff. Uh, it has three owners or three co-founders, Cody Martin, to where it, who it's named after, um, David Weid- Weidemer and Adam Myers. 
And yeah, their entire shtick is that they have just the most wild flavors. They got like a jalapeno pineapple flavor. They have like a dill pickle flavor. They got the Chex Mix flavor. They have pina colada, which I'm about to crack open right now. They uh, they have a couple of other ones. They have a, a buffalo wing flavor that tastes like just like buffalo sauce, which oh, is God. just wild. <laughs> um, they have a Cool Ranch Dorito flavor. Um, just some wild stuff. But yeah, if you're in the area, definitely give Martin House a try because they've got some some cool stuff. This legit tastes like pina coladas. It's, it's what it is. Yeah. yeah I was not. I, I guess I should have been expecting that, <laughs> but wasn't. Um, but yeah, moving on to the finals game. So last night was game six, and uh, the Bucks kind of just took care of business. The Suns did not play a bad game. They were actually up at halftime, and the Bucks team kind of was falter- faltering for a little bit aside from Giannis. And Giannis was just put that backpack on and was just carrying the heavy load last night because he was not going to be denied. Yeah, no, the, uh, the Suns did not play a bad game. This game was very much a game of runs, you know. The Bucks came out early, punched the Suns in the mouth. The Suns came back, um, tied the game up, eventually took a little bit of a lead over the Bucks going into the, the half. The third quarter was back and forth. Both teams ended up being tied at 77 going into the fourth quarter. And then um, that's when the Bucks just kind of overpowered the Suns. The Suns missed a lot of, um, I wouldn't say easy shots, but definitely makeable shots, especially down the stretch, especially from three. Missed a lot of... Uh, decent three point looks. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was, a uh, it was the bucks day to win. Uh, and it was Giannis's just putting a stamp on an incredible playoff run and an incredible finals performance. His stat line, I'm going to read it to you real quick. 50 big points. He dropped a 50 burger on them, 14 rebounds, two assists, an efficient 16 for 25 from the field, one for three from three, five blocks, but this is the stat that's most impressive to me, 17 from 19 from the line. Notoriously bad at free throws, especially this offseason. Yeah, and it was just incredible. He was the best player on the court by far. He was unstoppable, and just it, it looked like a switch went off in his head. He was like, oh, there's no one on this team that can stop me. I can score every single time if I wanted to, and he really took advantage of the 42 minutes he played to just put his impose his will on this series and, and bring home the, uh, the trophy. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, he really just kind of like, it seemed like he flipped a switch and just decided like, Oh, that's right. They can't stop me. Nobody can stop me. He really stopped going away from all the little fadeaways and stuff. And, you know, earlier in the playoffs, he was like pulling up from three a lot more and he was kind of, going to more mid-range stuff. And last night, I really noticed, even when it was DeAndre Ayton that was guarding him, when it was Ayton that was guarding him, he was using a little bit more of his bag, a little bit more of the dribble handle moves, but then just getting into the paint and then finishing. And then when they started moving Jay Crowder onto him later on in the game, he was really just putting his like shoulder down, head down, just going straight, straight to the bucket. And he was really just, he was getting all the easy buckets and he was telling them, it's like, you're going to have to foul me. You are all going to foul out. I'm going to put Aiton in foul trouble and I'm just going to have to try to make free throws. And that's exactly what he did last night. Yeah. And, and, and he was just incredible. I mean, the ability for him to step up to the line, knock down 17 of 19 free throws. That's the reason they won the game. hundred percent. Because if he shoots like he has been shooting in this playoffs, the Suns win this game. The Suns, like I said, did not play a bad game. Chris Paul played very well. 26 points, two rebounds, five assists, 11, 19 from the floor. 
with um with only three turnovers. So just a, a, an all around solid game for him. Devin Booker struggled with 19 points, but only eight for 22 from the field and 0 for seven from three. So a tough a tough night for Devin Booker the way his season ends. But the Suns all in all did not play bad. I mean, if you look at the team splits, both teams Suns shot 44 percent from the field, Bucks shot 45 percent. Both teams struggled from three with the Suns six for 25, the Bucks six for 27. Um, both teams had actually the Suns had less turnovers than the Bucks with 14. The Bucks had 20 or 19 or 18. Sorry, the Buck Suns had 14 turnovers. The Bucks had 18 turnovers. Um, but the, this is where the the Bucks won the game, and this is where they just imposed their will, which was on the boards. I mean, 53 rebounds, 11 offensive to 37 rebounds, six offensive. The Bucks demolishing the Suns on the boards. Yeah, I mean that that's where we knew the Suns were going to struggle going into the series is they have DeAndre Ayton, who is great. He's awesome, but he can't do it alone. And he didn't have any real big men behind him, especially once Saric went out with his ACL injury. All of a sudden you, your front court is incredibly thin. You're not going to be able to rebound as well. And what the bucks are kind of known for is being that really big, strong, aggressive team. And you got even guys like PJ Tucker. He's only six, five, but he's a sturdy little dude. He pushes you out of the paint, and Giannis is going to go for every single rebound. And then you have Brooke Lopez that's also going to be in there. So they were just kind of outsized when it came to the rebound and the rebounds. And that was going to be a huge aspect of this series, and that turned out to be a really big deal. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, the, the series as a whole was a fun one to watch. I mean, the Suns took care of business at home at the beginning of the series. Looks like the Bucks were down and out, yet again being down 0-2 in a series. The Bucks battle back. Win games, uh, win the rest of the games. Bucks in six, um, but uh, they just the last two games were really close. You know, the Suns blew out the Bucks. The Bucks blew out the Suns for each their first two home games, and then the last two games, game five and game six, were both very close, very exciting games. Both teams playing well. It's just the Bucks, I think, had the more physical, um, just athletic team, and it, it showed. Yeah. No, it, it definitely did. And you know who the biggest winner out of all of this is? It's the small markets. Even like, even if Phoenix had won it, that is, which is, you know, it's like a top 10 populated city in America, but they're relatively a small market in the NBA. And Milwaukee is a small town up north in the cold weather, like this, like the smaller of all of its neighbors where you got like Detroit up there and you got some like bigger cities and whatnot that people might want to actually live in. But to have a superstar that you draft, not like just outside of the lottery, and you develop him, and he turns into that guy, and he wants to stay loyal, he pushes you, your front office, and your your team to go get another guy in Drew Holiday, and sticks with the program, and then goes and wins a championship. This is what all small markets strive for. This is this is the goal is to get a superstar, have him stay loyal, and then build a team around him that can win a championship because there are no other superstars on this team outside of Giannis. He's got other great players with him. He's got a very full, good roster, but it is Giannis's team with the small market. And I think that this is a really good thing for small markets going forward as like, what is your model? Yeah, I, I would agree. And and people are saying that like, oh, well, the Bucks are a super team. They have a big three and Giannis, you know, didn't do it on his own or, or you know, didn't. He took the easy way out by 
forcing the Bucks to build a super team around him. Well, that, that's not really the case. I mean, you have an aging Brook Lopez, so not I, I wouldn't consider him any sort of superstar. And then you have Middleton and Drew Holiday. Middleton has only made two All-Star games in his whole career. And nine years. Honestly, does he even make an All-Star game if he doesn't play for a first-seeded Bucks team a couple of those years? Like, maybe, maybe not. Yeah, and then and then Drew Holiday's only made one yeah. in his long yeah. career. So both both guys, I'm not saying they're bad players. They're definitely good players, but they are not like in the echelon of this is a super team. This is a big three. Um, but yes, Giannis is incredible. He, you know, I think in my opinion, etched his name onto the um, Mount Rushmore, I guess, of European players in the NBA. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's him, there's Dirk, there's Olajuwon, and I would say there's Nash at this point. Which is just four really good European play or not European international. but international players, um, but yes, like that he has definitely solidified himself as, if not the best international player of all time, definitely in the top three. I mean, yeah, we I saw this stat earlier, and there are two guys in the history of the NBA that have multiple MVPs, a Finals MVP, and a Defensive Player of the Year award. Those guys are Giannis and Michael Jordan, and that's the list. Incredible. So when you're talking about how he could be the greatest European or the greatest international player ever, it he very well may be. Hakeem was amazing. Hakeem had a defensive player of the year. Hakeem had an MVP. Hakeem won two championships. Dirk had his MVP. Dirk had his championship. But what Giannis is doing right now at the age of 26, dude's only 26 years old. Like he still has got a lot of career left. Especially for him just being an athletic freak. Like, that's not going to just go away in the next five years. And based on, like, general trajectory, people have kind of, uh, experts have kind of all collectively agreed upon, like, your your prime of the average NBA player is, like, 25 to, like, 30. Like, yeah. that's their prime. So, he is at the beginning of his prime. So, we're just now starting to see this unlocked version of Giannis that's going to be incredible. Yeah, a lot of people say that it's even, like, 28 to 32 for some, like, some players. You know what I mean? Like he could still, he's still developing a game right now. He, his, the first part of his career, he was developing his body. He was this really long, lanky, kind of like point forward kind of kid. He went from six, nine to seven feet. He went from like 180, 190 pounds to like 240, 250 pounds. He was building his body. He got this crazy athleticism and that's what he is right now, but he still has a lot to develop. He still has a full post game that he can develop. He still can develop his jump shot. Like he still has a lot to work on when it comes to the skills of the game, which is scary because that just, and he's a hard worker. So I would not put it past him to actually start getting better at all these things. Just as LeBron has changed his game as his career has gone on. Yeah. This, he is by no means a finished product, which I think is the scariest thing of the whole thing because of the superstars that are in the NBA right now, you have like, you know, the Kevin Durant's, the Steph Curry's, the, you know, Jokic's, the Luka Doncic's, the Damian Lewis, all those guys are kind of are what they are. You know, they're, they're not, they're, they're great players, but there's, there's not much that like, you know, Jokic can get better at. He just needs to be more consistent at doing what he does. Giannis is in the same echelon as them and doesn't have a jumper. Yeah. And, you know, doesn't really have a back to the basket game. That's all the, all the way reliable unless it's a mismatch. So like he can definitely get better while still being on the same level of all these superstars, MVP types already. Yeah, exactly. And that that is exactly what the scary part is. And the whole Giannis story is just fun. Yeah, he's definitely a lovable guy. Oh, I, I got to say, he he is definitely my favorite player in the NBA, you know, outside of Dame. Obviously, I'm going to have my personal preference towards Dame. 
But Giannis is 100% my favorite guy in the league right now. He's he's so lovable. He's so nice and genuine, but he's a fiery competitor. He came up from the streets of Greece where his mom was legitimately just selling like trinkets on the side of the street, and that's how they were getting by. He was running to practices when he was living in Greece. Did you hear the story about when he first got to Milwaukee? Yes. <laughs> so he was on it. He was in Milwaukee at the beginning of his career. And at the time he was sending all of his paychecks home to Greece to, to help his family out. Well, he didn't realize he didn't save enough money for him to get a cab to go to the game. So he just goes out his front door and just starts running towards the stadium, just sprinting down the street. Just like this lanky seven foot dude, just sprinting towards the stadium. <laughs> and this elderly couple is driving to the game. They have tickets and they see him and they're like, that guy's really him. tall and you know like that guy that guy looks like Giannis. what the heck so they roll down the window hey are you Giannis? the guy's like, and Giannis is like yeah he's like what are you doing like i'm running the game and they're like do you want do you want a ride like you want to <laughs> you want to you want to jump back there and imagine and take being, a ride imagine being that couple you're just driving to the game like you're just like all right we're going to the bucks game tonight that'll be fun you're just driving down and you're like oh hey is that the kid we just drafted <laughs> Why is he running? <laughs> hey, hey do, you good, man? You want to? You want to? You don't want to run to the stadium? You sure? But he's he's stuck with that same kind of loyalty throughout this entire thing, especially to his family. Like for him, family is over everything else because I think of everything that they had to go through. Boy, did that mom hit the genetic lottery by kicking out like three, four NBA players? All three champions, by the way. All three Costas, Thanasis, and Giannis. They still have all the one champions. younger one. Too. Yes. Uh, what is I forget his name. He's like a, he's got a normal name actually. I'd have to look it up. <laughs> but he uh, but they do have a fourth one that's in it's like a junior or senior in high school right now. And they say that he's one person. There was one guy that I saw that was trying to make the argument that he was the best out of the four. I was like, I don't know about that. That's a tough. That's a tough, <laughs> tough argument to tough make, to man. <laughs> that's a tough one to make. For sure. Um, but let's take a minute and let's talk about some of the others. So we've talked about Giannis a decent matter. Let's talk about some of the others that played well. I, the first person I got to mention is Bobby Portis off the bench, had an incredible game. He, uh, let me pull up the stats here. He ended with 16 points, three rebounds, six for 10 from the field, and um, a plus six in the plus minus with one block and 23 minutes. Just really, really solid numbers from a guy that like, Basically, everything you get out of him is kind of bonus. Pretty good for a guy that the Chicago Bulls straight up just did not want on their team. He was cut. He was just not re-signed, right? And so he, uh, this is a guy that everyone was starting to label had personality problems. And he, uh, or I'm sorry, he was with the Bulls and he played for the Knicks last year. And then the Knicks had like the glut. You know, remember he had like 12 power forwards on the Knicks last year. Yeah. And then he was the guy that they cut. They just decided not to re-sign him. And to go from being on a seller dweller that doesn't even want to play you, that doesn't even want to bring you back, to running around in free agency trying to find someone that's going to pick you up, ends up with the Bucks, and then go and then is a very integral piece to what the Bucks did in the playoffs all year. That he was really important to them. But come playoff time, he stepped up big for them time after time, hitting those big corner threes, stepping up and playing defense against some of the larger athletic guys. He was really huge for them. Yeah, he uh, was actually third in the league in three-point shooting this year oh, in the regular season. Yeah, wow. at 47%. Incredible stuff. Um, 
And then he's the perfect backup to Brooke Lopez because he kind of does the same thing. But he, you know, a little bit bouncier, a little bit more, you know, fluid of a mover. But yes, great series from him. Great game six from him. Great playoff run for him. Drew Holiday and uh, Chris Middleton, which is kind of funny. Everyone's kind of talking about both of them together. Um, the, but uh, the, yeah, the, the second the, tier they're, others. They're like the, you know, the, the other two on the team, but they, <laughs> they kind of come in the same sentence a lot. But both the reason they do is because they've they struggled in the same games and then they played well in the same games. And, you know, they struggled in game one and two of the finals. And then games, you know, four or five or three, four, five, and six, they just took over and played really well. They played their styles of basketball. Chris Middleton, super efficient you know, getting to his spots, getting to his pull-ups, knocking down threes, Drew Holiday being a pest on defense, knocking down timely shots, being the facilitator and the rebounder that they needed from the guard position. Yeah, and so Drew Holiday's stat line last night is 12 points, 9 rebounds, 11 assists with 4 steals, but then get this, 4 of 19 from the field. It's kind of a classic Drew Holiday night, if you ask me. Yeah. He's just going to, he is one of the best perimeter defenders in the entire league. And he doesn't really cost you a lot when he, when he is, there is games that he's just going to go off and you kind of got to live with it. If well, they don't win game team. five without him. Yeah. They don't win game five without him. That is for sure. And so there's going to be those games where he absolutely steps up big on the offensive end. But what you can guarantee is you're always going to get effort and really, really strong defense from him every single time. And so even on an off night, he still puts up 12, nine and 11 with, you know, four steals. Yeah, and that and that's what you want out of you, you know a guy like Drew Holiday, which is a tone setter, a you know a defensive stalwart, just what you need to build the culture of your team. He's the glue guy. He's the Draymond Green of this team, um, but he played really well. And then for the Suns, I mean, they had they had some good guys in this playoff run. They had some guys that are definitely going to make a name for themselves going forward in the NBA, which is, I mean, campaign's a prime example. Uh, the backup point guard coming off the bench. Another really cool story was in the NBA, then out of the NBA, had to play in China in the G League, finally got his, another opportunity to play with the uh, the Suns and made the most of it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Campaign along with a lot, I mean, Frank Kaminsky play, got to play some minutes after Saric came out. Then Cam Johnson had a great series as well. It's sad, you know, if you're the Suns, because you're thinking back and you're like, oh, what if? Like, what if we won game five? What if we could steal one of those close ones that was in Milwaukee in three and four? And there's a lot of opportunities that you had to go and win this championship. And I kind of think it came down to a lot of – they were just kind of a younger, more inexperienced team. The Bucks had been working towards this for years, right? Like, they've been the number one seed for several years. They've been bounced early – several times in the playoffs but the buck but the suns kind of kind of just not fell apart but were just a little bit lackluster in those last four games um because they have a lot of guys who just weren't really that experienced outside of chris paul you got guys like cameron Payne that show that i mean they were just happy to be in the league this year yeah and all of a sudden they're playing in the finals right and so it uh i think that that was kind of their main detriment yeah, that was a, it's a tall task to ask, you know, a guy who is still trying to just solidify himself as an NBA player to be like, all right, come help us win the final. Come help us win the finals. You know, that's tough. But I mean, if you're a Suns fan, yes, you're sad that they lost. Yes, it's a bummer, but the future is bright. I mean, your core of Cam Johnson, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and Mikhail Bridges, all super young. You have two really good, solid vets in Chris Paul and uh, 
Jay Crowder, who are definitely culture builders and stuff like that. Yes, you need to bring back Chris Paul, but um, if you're able to do that, I, I think the Suns team is a, is a contender going forward. So I got to ask, if you had to put money down right now, do you think the Suns make another finals? <sighs> That's tough just because I don't know if Chris Paul's coming back or not. Okay, so I mean... The Suns team has a lot of years after Chris Paul, right? Like yeah. even if Chris Paul doesn't yeah. come back, they have they have Bridges, they have Booker, they have Aiton, they have Cam Johnson, they have a very good core. My money is that they don't. I was I gonna that say be a that really good team for a while, but it does the, not make the finals. They are they are with that core four. I still think they need another Chris Paul like creator, someone else to go get a bucket because Aiton's not a guy who can get his own shot. Yeah, Johnson isn't a guy who can get his own shot, and Bridges isn't going to be a guy that can get their own shots. Really, those are more three and D type of guys. Um, so I, I don't necessarily disagree with your take that they're not going to make another finals, but I don't necessarily think that you can write them out this early. Um, as for contending like next year and the year after, I think so, especially in the regular season. Did they get lucky? And this is something we'll talk about later in the podcast. Did they get lucky because of injuries? Yes, but I think both teams to here did. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't really think that they'll make another finals, but I couldn't, I, w- I wouldn't write it off. I, I totally agree. I, right now, they have vaulted themselves into what I see as generally like Denver Nuggets land. Like the Denver Nuggets could be the one seed and could win the championship, and they also could be the four seed and just kind of like lose in the second or third round. And I see that's where the Suns are right now as well. Yeah, I could see that. I definitely could see that. It's going to be a crazy offseason, so we'll see where everyone ends up and everything, you know, trickles down to. But uh, before we go back into, you know, talking more playoffs, let's revisit this beer. Let's talk taste here for a little bit. All right. So just to remind you, it is the Martin House Brewing Company Pina Colada Coconut Cream Ale with Pineapple. <laughs> it's just a funny name. Um it uh, tastes like a pina colada. It does. It tastes it a lot like a pina, like a pina yeah. colada. They, they, it's definitely more of a coconutty pina colada than a pineapple-y one. You get more of the coconut and the cream right off the bat, and then you get the pineapple at the back end. Yeah. But it, it is smooth. It is easy. And it it's summer, you know, on the beach drinking. Dude. Dude, I read that um, uh, Martin House, it was like in 2019 or 20, probably 2019 when the article was. But they were working on 150 different recipes at the time. Dear God. Dude, this their whole thing is just like, what is just the wildest beers that we can make? And every once in a while they hit, and every once in a while they miss. Yeah. I, I will say, generally, they get the taste spot on. Oh, usually it tastes just like it. You're like, usually oh, it tastes just that? like what you what they're like trying to go for. It, then it just becomes like whether or not that should have been a beer. <laughs> whether you should have even tried or yeah, not like you know i don't know what the saying is but some stones are better left unturned or whatever it's true it's funny it's like like that dill pickle beer is one of their like most famous ones and i don't think anyone else would have really thought to even try to do the dill pickle thing yeah it's it's famous and it's polarizing people either love it or hate it and it is the reason we are not doing it on this podcast is because it's not for me and it's not for mish i like pickles have you had the beer? I have had the beer. I like the dill pickle beer. I will say it, it a little goes a long way as far as like I will okay. have like one of them and it's like really good, but I'm not slamming a six pack of dill pickle beers anytime soon. Yeah. That's so, fair. But, but to back to this one, this is really good. This would be perfect for like sitting by the uh, sitting by the pool, sitting on the beach. If you don't want to bring your pina colada maker with you to the beach, just bring these in the cooler. 
Yeah, absolutely. That that they're they're good. They're easy. They're smooth. They are um, like not heavy. You mm-hmm. know, they're not they're not super filling. They don't really. It doesn't feel like you're drinking a beer. No, that's the thing doesn't. that's throwing me off a little bit. I think is like I'm taking a sip and I'm expecting to like be like, oh, a beer, and it's not. No, it <laughs> it's much more pina colada than it is beer. It's just like almost pina colada in like beer form. Yeah, which I think is what they're going for with I think they a pina it. colada beer. I think they nailed it. Good yeah. job, Martin House. And it's a cool can. I mean, you've it got is. you know a flamingo on it for those who gotta love the flamingo are on YouTube. Um, but yes, solid beer. It is good. It is tasty um it's smooth it's creamy but it's got that you know frothy fruitiness to it that i think people really like in pina coladas um yeah just all in all solid yeah good job martin house thank you for joining us i'm sure this won't be the last time that we bring on another martin house special we could do we could do like a whole month of podcasts just martin house month just doing different weird martin house beer martin house march or something (laughs) like that I don't. I don't hate that. I do oh not my hate gosh! That. Um, but yes, so that is uh, that is the beer we are drinking. We will. Uh, we're very happy to have it on, and let's let's jump back into basketball a little bit here. I'm still getting used to holding this microphone. Yeah, my hand got tired at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I had. To, I've been having to like switch hands. Um, let's talk a little bit about the journeys that both teams had to take in the playoffs because it was definitely atypical from your typical from your normal playoff season, as in. Lots of injuries, and both teams kind of lucked their way into the finals. Both teams very deserving to be in the finals. I want to say that. Like both teams were very, very good, and the Bucks are a championship team. That's not like it's not, it's not. I mean, I picked them to win the championship this year, so it's not like a really, really random team to win the championship. But both of them had to get lucky to get there. Both teams were unsurprising championship contenders. Yet I don't think either team was the most talented team in their conference. How about that? That I mean, that's fair. That's fair. I still, I still really like the Bucks. I think that they would have a chance over the Nets if the Nets were fully healthy, but we don't know. We have no yeah, idea. We won't know. We won't know this year. Next year, we'll 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 get a good look at it. But I bet you money the Nets are still not healthy next year. <laughs> good money on that. Everyone else might be healthy because the season won't be so weird. But the Nets will not be healthy come playoff time. <laughs> Regardless, <laughs> yes, the Bucks lucked out by not having to face the juggernaut of the Nets. Again, I, I don't think it's wrong for me to say that the Nets are the more talented team over the Bucks. Not yeah. just saying that the most talented team doesn't lose sometimes, but I, I that is my point is that they got, they were fortunate not to have to play a healthy Nets, just like the Suns, who dealt with their own injury issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, Chris Paul's shoulder, Chris Paul having to go into COVID protocol, losing Dario Saric. Like, they dealt with their own injury issues, but they also lucked out by not having to play Anthony Davis, mm-hmm. Jamal Murray, Kawhi Leonard. Both paths to the finals for both teams were easier than they could have been. Yes, for sure. But you never know. Yeah, you never know. Maybe the Suns do beat Lakers with Anthony Davis because, you know, Lakers were struggling at the time anyways. Maybe they do beat a Nuggets team that has Jamal Murray on it. Maybe they do beat a Clippers team that has Kawhi Leonard on it. You could say the same thing with the, uh, the bucks. Maybe the bucks, the bucks got lucky with Trey young going out for a couple games in that series. They got lucky with both uh, Kyrie and Harden, both having stints of being out. When Harden came back, he was just kind of a shell. He was just kind of just a guy on the court. Like he couldn't run at all because of that hamstring injury. And the bucks were legitimately a shoe size away from being knocked out by the Nets. Yeah. Which with that is, Kevin Durant shot. Which just 
goes to show how much of a game of inches this is mm-hmm. because we could have had a whole different champion this year if Kevin Durant was a 24 and not a 25 size shoe. Yep. Yeah, it's crazy. There was a interview that came out from like years ago that uh, Kevin Durant said that he likes to wear shoes that are like a little bit too big for his feet. <laughs> <laughs> well, it came back to bite him in the butt, that's for sure. Um, but yes, it, it was uh interesting path for both teams. Um, I would say, you know, going into next year, hopefully the teams are, you know, generally more healthy. Um, hopefully we don't run into this issue again in terms of just so many superstars being down. But we've talked a lot about injuries. We did a whole podcast yeah. on it. I don't want to kind of harp thing this year. Yeah, I don't want to kind of harp on that. Um, let's let's take a minute here. Just briefly before we wrap up this podcast, we've kind of talked NBA. We've kind of talked the finals. The Olympics are starting soon. And we won't be able to talk about it next week because next week we are doing our ladies man Tom's mock draft. So we won't be able to talk about the Olympics next week. So let's kind of touch on the Olympic, the Olympic team before we, we sign off today. So it's a weird one, right? Yeah, it's a really weird one. It's a a weird team that they've put together. A lot of young guys I've noticed, which makes sense after a season like this, you're, your LeBrons and your Chris Pauls don't really want to play, which is going to make your team worse. When you most of these dream teams, it's a combination of the good young talent in the league and like the good old talent in the league. You know, Kobe played with Melo and LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Chris Paul on that 2012 team. This year is going to be a little bit different. Um, the best lineup that they have is definitely going to be Dame Booker. Tatum, Durant, and Bam. I think that that's their starting lineup. Who else is on the roster? So, so I'm going to read off the roster to you. Um, so they have Bam Adebayo from the Miami Heat. They had Bradley Beal, but he's out due to COVID protocol. We can talk about that briefly. In for him is Keldon Johnson from the San Antonio Spurs. They have Devin Booker, who just finished wrapping up a finals you know, performance. So Played 46 minutes in game six. I can imagine that he'll get some time off before yeah. they actually get into the, the uh, Olympic run, which is another weird thing. He's got to jump on the plane with uh, his two other teammates for the Olympic team, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. And spend some time with them on the way to the. They should. The uh, they should bring the trophy with them, the Larry O'Brien trophy, and just buckle it, <laughs> buckle it up right next to to Devin Booker. So next level petty. There. So flex. yes, Bam from Miami, uh, Keldon Johnson from the Spurs, Booker from the Suns, Kevin Durant from the Brooklyn Nets, Jeremy Grant from the Detroit Pistons is on the team. He um, has also dealt with some COVID stuff, so he's kind of up in the air. Draymond Green from the Golden State Warriors. As said earlier, Drew Holiday from the Milwaukee Bucks, as is Chris Middleton from the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, Zach Levine from the Chicago Bulls, Damian Lillard from the Portland Trailblazers, Jason Tatum from the Boston Celtics, and then Kevin Love, who was originally on the team, is out due to another COVID situation. So JaVale McGee from the Denver Nuggets comes in to replace him. So they're kind of using the COVID thing as an excuse with Kevin Love. He also he also came out and said that he was because that's like his official reason why he's out. He uh, also came out and said he's like, yeah, I'm kind of just not ready. As in, like, yeah, you're kind of just not good enough to be on the team right now. <laughs> yeah, there's there. It's an interesting team. It's a very eclectic team, as you said. I think it's a, a, a rather young team, especially when it comes to like, um, like Olympic experience. Not a lot of players on this team have been to Olympics before. I think Kevin Durant, Draymond Green are the only guys that have played in an Olympics before? I think so. Um, I think so. I think you're right. Um, so whenever I think of the USA Olympic team, one of the first things I think of is to like on like a gauge of like how good it is, is how many hall of famers are on this roster? 
Because if we go all the way back to the, like the original Dream Team, the 1996 Dream Team, they had 11 Hall of Famers and Christian Leitner, who was, at the time, the best college basketball player in, in the world. At this point, you have two for-sures in Kevin Durant and Draymond Green. Damian Lillard, As I would say, is a probable. And then you have everyone else is too young to tell. I mean, yeah, so it's like, but you also have a lot of guys is like, don't think JaVale McGee is going to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, don't, don't think. Don't, I mean, obviously, Jeremy Keldon Johnson's Grant. very young, but don't think Keldon Johnson will be a Hall of Famer. Jeremy Grant, don't think he'll be. Um, Drew Holiday, yeah, don't think he'll be. Like, the only guys I see on that list that I'm like, oh, maybe he will be is like Tatum, Bam, and Booker. Yeah, so at most you're getting six. Yeah, at most. So yeah, this I is a down year for Team USA. I don't think it's a, the best um, team that we've ever put together, and you can tell that by their play on the court. They have lost twice in their, um, you know, uh, exhibition matches, which has been widely covered. Everyone knows it. No one's hiding from it. But it it is it is a little concerning that ever since um, Pop took over from Coach K for the Olympic team head coaching situation um, that they've done nothing but struggle. They've lost their exhibition games. They finished seventh in the FIBA world cup, just all, ever. In, all in all, just not a good performance from the USA men's basketball team um, since, you know, the head coaching change. I'm really worried about them. I'm really worried because when the FIBA thing came out and they were losing in FIBA and they can't, they got seventh, which is the lowest that they've ever come in any uh, tournament. Even when they were playing college players, they never fell that low. Um, I was like, okay, well, maybe they just didn't really care. Kind of a weird year, whatever. Sometimes that kind of stuff happens. But I am now starting to get a little stressed with these losses in the exhibition games because maybe Pop is just like not what this Team USA needs. Maybe like the roster construction has been kind of weird. As funny as it is, the thing that I said that they needed the most was like a like a athletic rim protector. So it's like they went out and got JaVale McGee after uh, Brad Beal and Kevin Love got out or got injured. So like I was like, I was like, oh cool, like he's like the kind of guy we needed. But also we have JaVale McGee on the Team USA basketball team right now. Like I'm a little stressed about this team. We there's a good chance that we don't win this. I think the thing that bodes well for us is that guys like Jokic are not playing as well. Yeah, I mean it. All in all, NBA players are not playing in the Olympics. But the other thing that's going against Team USA here is the the world has gotten better at basketball. Much. The world has gotten much better at basketball. So, you know, they run into a team like Slovenia with Luka. I mean, they've lost to Nigeria, who has a ton of NBA players. Australia is always super tough. Spain's scary. Like, there's a lot of good teams out there. And if you think that Team USA is just going to come through, roll through each game, win each one by 50, and walk their way to a gold medal just for showing up, not the case. Not anymore. Not, not anymore. So you're, you're going to need guys to step up. I mean, on the bright side, Team USA has Kevin Durant, one of the best basketball players in the world. Yep. Damian Lillard, one of the best basketball players in the world. And their starting five, like you said, is probably going to be Dame, um, Book, Book, Tatum. Tatum. Wait. Durant, bam. Yes, yes. Da- I'll help you. Okay, well, I, I wasn't sure. I was like Tatum at the four, Durant at the three, Durant at the four, Tatum at three. They'll we probably were... do some Durant at the five as well you yeah. know, with the real small lineups. Um, the, They really like running Levine right now. He's been getting a ton of run in these exhibition games. Um, I don't know how much JaVale's going to play. I hope JaVale plays a lot. That'd be fun. Regardless, if Team USA wants to win, they're going to have to uh, just attack it more 
in, like more professionally, I guess they're yes. not going to, it's not a vacation. This is a business trip. Yeah. Where in years past, it was like, okay, we're just going to show up and we're just going to win by 50 every single game. And then like, once it comes to the medal rounds, we'll tighten it up and we'll, we really got to compete against at the time, Argentina or Spain or France or some of these other notoriously good teams this year. It's really Australia and Spain are the two biggest competitors against uh, team USA, either them or the Slovenian Mavs. it's one of one of those teams will be the most dangerous teams when it comes to the when it comes to team usa i do think that they still walk away with the gold i I would be shocked if they didn't that being said i am not you know betting the house on it yeah yeah you know it's a weird year man it's it's scary and so um we will keep you updated on that as we get closer like i said not next week next week is for ladies man tom and his his mock draft because that was one of our most viewed episodes ever that time we did that last year. So very excited to do it again this year. We are uh, getting close to a year's worth of podcasts. I know. Look at us. And we've just gotten worse and worse as we've gone. <laughs> Practice has not made us better. That's for sure. No. We're still getting our 10,000 hours in. Yep. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us. Another fun podcast. Martin House, thank you for joining us again. Pina Colada, you know, coconut cream ale with pineapple because why not we're going on vacation because the nba is going on vacation yeah cheers to that brother and cheers dude